If you will, turn with me in your copy of God's Word to 2 Chronicles and chapter 16. We are continuing in the series, Living a Godly Life in an Ungodly World. Living a Godly Life in an Ungodly World. We've been looking intently in 2 Chronicles at a king named Asa. And up to this point, what a blessing he has been to bring renewal and reformation and revival in God's land. But if you are physically able today, I encourage you to stand with me as I read Second Chronicles chapter 16, and I will read verses 1 through 13 as we continue in the life of Asa. In the 36th year of the reign of Asa, Basha, king of Israel, went up against Judah and built Ramah, that he might permit no one to go out or to come in to Asa, king of Judah. Then Asa took silver and gold from the treasuries of the house of the Lord and the king's house and sent them to Ben-Hadad, king of Syria, who lived in Damascus, saying, There is a covenant between me and you, as there was between my father and your father. Behold, I am sending you silver and gold. Go break your covenant with Basha, king of Israel, that he may withdraw from me. And Ben-Hadad listened to King Asa and sent the commanders of his armies against the cities of Israel, and they conquered Ihon, Dan, Abel-Maim, and all the store cities of Naphtali. And when Basha heard of it, he stopped building Ramah and let his work cease. Then King Asa took all Judah, and they carried away the stones of Ramah and its timber with which Baasha had been building, and with them he built Geba and Mizpah. At that time, Hanani, the seer or prophet, came to Asa, king of Judah, and said to him, Because you relied on the king of Syria, which was a pagan king, and did not rely on the Lord your God, the army of the king of Syria has escaped you. Were not the Ethiopians and the Libyans a huge army with very many chariots and horsemen? Yet because you relied on the Lord, he gave them into your hand. For the eyes of the Lord run to and fro throughout the whole earth to give strong support to those whose heart is blameless toward him. You have done foolishly in this. From now on, you will have wars." Then Asa was angry with the seer and put him in, sto in the stocks in prison, for he was in a rage with him because of this. And Asa inflicted cruelties upon some of the people at the same time. The acts of Asa from first to last are written in the book of the kings of Judah of Israel. In the thirty-ninth year of his reign, Asa was diseased in his feet, and his disease became severe. Yet even in his disease... He did not seek the Lord, but sought help from physicians. And Asa slept with his fathers, dying in the 41st year of his reign. May God add his blessing to the reading of his word today. You may be seated. As we've been looking at all the wonderful things that God used King Asa to do over the last three weeks, and we come to this, it's almost like a almost like a movie with a disappointing end, isn't it? We've all had that where we've 
anticipated a movie and sat through a movie and then at the end and we were enjoying the story so much but the ending was tragic and horrible that's how we feel in this situation with Asa Asa's heart grew cold and eventually as we read his heart stopped beating but there's little applause at the end of his story A life that once was on fire for the glory and worship of his God had now grown cold and very mean, as we saw in the last few verses. And I ask today that for a few moments the Holy Spirit would take his word and keep our hearts warm toward the glory of God, to set them on fire, that we may trust in our Lord until the very end of our life. Gracious Heavenly Father, again I come to you in the midst of your people here today. We are assembled, Lord, to worship you, and we have done that. And now, Lord, as we focus upon your word, may your Holy Spirit take these words and work in each life here today. Help us, Lord, to trust you. Help us truly to live a godly life in an ungodly world. In Christ's name, amen. John Brown was a very rare white man in a culture marinated in racism many years ago. He not only fought slavery with a holy zeal, but also socialized with more blacks than whites. He not only preached the gospel of racial reconciliation, he was also a leader in the Underground Railroad that helped thousands of slaves escape to Canada. But this prophet, so to speak, got increasingly impatient with the do-nothing politics who worked harder at compromise than emancipation. When yet another concession to the national unity allowed the Nebraska and Kansas territories to decide whether or not to permit slavery, he and his five sons galloped out of Ohio armed for war. After Missouri Raiders had massacred the anti-slavery citizens of Lawrence, his abolitionist warriors rampaged across Kansas in a terrible, terrible way to the point that John Brown and his sons, they would drag pro-slavery men out of their homes and butchered them in front of their families. A horrified nation dubbed this guerrilla war Bleeding Kansas. Little did they know they were watching the preview of the coming Civil War. Also in 1859, John Brown tried to seize federal money at Harper's Perry, and then two days later he surrendered to the U.S. Lieutenant Colonel Robert E. Lee. It was then that he was found guilty of murder, conspiracy to incite an uprising and treason even against Virginia. On December the 2nd, 1859, he was hanged in front of a crowd of jeering Southerners who was also said present there was actor John Wilkes Booth. You know, most of us want to see the right things happen, or at least what we believe is right. But like John Brown, we too often work for what is right in wrong ways. And even if you try to do the right thing in the wrong way, it becomes the wrong thing. 
History bears a sad witness to an evil done in the name of God, in the name of country and public good, and yet John Brown remains as controversial today as he was 150 years ago. And the amazing story of John Brown serves as a warning to us all that the wrong means will never get us to the right ends. The book of Proverbs says that there is a way that seems right to man, but its end is death. This is what we see in the life of King Asa. And first, we see a problem for King Asa. This was a divided nation. This was the Holy Land. These were God's people in the land of promise that He had given them. But through the years after Solomon's death and his sons and Going on, the land had divided into the northern kingdom and the southern kingdom. And the northern kingdom had come up and began to build at a strategic point called Ramah that would not allow King Asa and Judah to leave or others to come back in. So there was a real problem. There were, these were divided kingdom conflicts, so to speak. We understand that our life is filled with problems. Each day we are faced with problems. Some days they might not seem too drastic. Other days they seem overwhelming to us. But our life is filled with problems. And with problems come decisions. How will I deal with these problems? King Asa was faced with a problem. Baasha, king of Israel, had come and to set up a point, a strategic point to take over to harm the people of Judah and King Asa. But we read in verses 2 and 3 again that Asa dealt with it poorly. All through Asa's reign so far we have seen him going to the Lord, trusting in the Lord, renewing worship of the Lord, tearing down pagan idols in God's holy land. But here we see a different Asa as the years had passed. Asa sought a political solution instead of going to the Lord with trust. And we read in verse 2 that it said, Then Asa took silver and gold from the treasures of the house of the Lord and the king's house and sent them to Ben-Hadad, king of Syria, who lived in Damascus. And he formed a treaty or an agreement, a covenant with Ben-Hadad. It was a political solution. He wanted Ben-Hadad to go against, break his treaty with Baasha, and to come against him. And then his hopes were that when Ben-Hadad and his Syrian army would come against Baasha, king of Israel, that Baasha would draw away from Ramah. And you know, that's exactly what happened. But Asa did not trust in the Lord. He did not depend upon the Lord. Again, he sought a political solution. He thought war was the answer out of his problems. Beloved, I want to say this morning that sometimes war cannot be avoided. But when you depend upon war to get what you want, you'll always be at war. And that was the case with the rest of Asa's reign. 
He did not depend upon the Lord that had been so faithful to him for so many years and allowed him to do such a mighty work in Jerusalem. And he became unequally yoked with a pagan king. The Bible speaks of not being unequally yoked with others. And here he makes a pact and a covenant agreement with a pagan king to come against Israel. And he even took the money, silver and gold, out of the Lord's treasury to bribe Ben-Hadad to come against Israel to get what he wanted. Beloved, Asa forfeited much when he bribed Ben-Hadad, the pagan king. When we do not trust upon the Lord and we seek other solutions in our own way, we forfeit when we do not trust the Lord with our problems. In verse 7 it says that at that time Hanani the seer or prophet came to King A- to Asa, king of Judah, and he said to him, Because you relied on the king of Syria and did not rely on the Lord your God, the army of the king of Syria has escaped you. In other words, your enemies will not escape you. Those that want to do you harm will not escape you. And he reminds him of a time when the Ethiopians and the Libyans, a huge army with many chariots and many horsemen had come against him, but God had delivered them in a wonderful way. He reminds Asa that the Lord gave them into your hand and He gave you victory. And he said, for the eyes of the Lord run to and fro throughout the whole earth to give strong support to those whose heart is blameless, or that can be translated from the Hebrew whole, wholly trusting upon the Lord. But he says, you have done foolishly in this, and from now on, you'll have wars. There are things that we forfeit when we do not trust in the Lord. When we seek other ways and even political solutions or to manipulate and to maneuver. First, we forfeit a close relationship with the Lord. When we trust in other things and in other ways to get what we want, we sacrifice our close relationship with the Lord. And we must ask ourselves today, have we truly trusted in the Lord this past week? In our problems? Or have we sought other ways and other solutions to get what we want? Have we called out to Him? Have we prayed to Him? Have we gone into His Word? Or have we looked into our own ways, a way that seems right to us, but its end is death? Not only do we forfeit a close relationship with our Lord, we also at that time are rejecting God's message into us. And that's what King Asa did. When God sent the prophet Hanani to him to give him this word, Asa did not repent. But he was mad and angry at Hanani and put him in the prison and in stocks. We reject God's message to us, His voice. And our hearts grow cold and hard and bitter and mean. Secondly, we have seen through Asa's reign how God had given him peace for so many years because of the work that he had done. 
among God's people. When we do not trust in the Lord, we forfeit peace in our hearts, peace in our lives, again, because we're always seeking some type of conflict as the answer, some strategic maneuver in our life to get what we want, and it always, in the long run, comes back to hurt us. It might be with your spouse, it might be with your children, with your extended family, with co-workers, even in the church. And we depend upon other ways to get what we want when we manipulate, when we maneuver and try to get a strategic stronghold. It always ends in more war. We forfeit peace and we also forfeit security against enemies. And the worst enemies that I speak of are the enemies of our heart. Anger takes over our heart and fear loss of love, passion for life and for the Lord. Not only do we forfeit a close relationship with our Lord and peace and security against enemies, but very simply, we also see that we forfeit resources that could have been used for good. We see Asa taking silver and gold out of the Lord's treasury to bribe a pagan king to get what he wants. I often, or I've thought this week of how many times have I forfeited things that could have been used for good for something else that I thought I needed or wanted. Things that belong to the Lord, but I used for something else. I used for selfish gain. These are the things we forfeit when we do not trust the Lord who has always been in, with us in the past when we turn into ourselves a way that seems right to us. That this Asa who we have adored now for three weeks now has extremely cold heart and we see how a cold heart responds to God's message in verse 10. As I read, it said, Then Asa was hang angry with the seer and put him in the stocks in the prison, for he was in a rage with him because of this. And Asa inflicted cruelties upon some of the people at the same time. A man that was supposed to shepherd and care for God's people now is being cruel to them. How else does a cold heart respond? In verse 12, it says, In the thirty-ninth year of the reign of Asa, Asa was diseased in his feet, and his disease became severe. And it's interesting that the author writes to us, but even in this, he didn't seek the Lord. He was too prideful at this point to repent and to come back unto the Lord and only sought help from physicians. And Asa slept, he died, slept with his fathers in the 41st year of his reign. Hmm. That's how a cold heart responds that is prideful. You see, beloved, if we're going to live a godly life in an ungodly world, it has to do with trust. Trust in the Lord that was there ten years ago, trust in the same Lord that was there five years ago, one year ago, last month, last week, yesterday, and the same God that was there for us then is the same God that is waiting for us to come to Him now with all of our problems, 
with all of our pains, with all of our hurts, with our diseases. And beloved, trust in the Lord is not a one-time event to be experienced, nor is it periodically. It's not something we say, well, I did that for a couple of days, it worked out pretty well, and, and now for a while I'll kind of handle things myself. And when I need the Lord, I'll come back to Him. But that's not a true, close relationship with the Lord. It's not really trust. It is not a one-time event, but it's a lifetime relationship with the one true Creator and redeeming Lord. We must remember today that the God who did a mighty work in our life back then is the same God that is waiting for us today. And if we are going to live a godly life in an ungodly world, it is going to be only because we are trusting in the Lord each day and giving our life to Him fresh and anew each day of our life. I want you to know today that Ace's ending is not God's desire for you or for me. He desires for you to trust Him he desires for you to know Him and to know Him greater and to enjoy Him now and forever. That is God's desire for you. And so many times when we grow hard-hearted, we blame it all on our circumstances in life. And I've done the same thing. But beloved, it always starts in the heart, not the circumstances. To go back to the thought of movies we've seen in the relationship and sometimes in the history of Zemanic theater we've seen the relationship between a movie actor and a director how it can make or break a movie a USA Today film critic says in some director's hands an actor remains a lump of coal in others that same performer will metamorphose into a shining diamond on screen they were asked, what is the key to a consistently winning pair between an actor and a director that makes a movie so great and powerful? Richard Brown, professor of cinema studies at New York's New School for Social Research, says it is only about one thing, trust. A director must trust that an actor has the character inside him or her and that it is within an actor's range. And an actor must trust a director with his performance, his work, and his image on screen. Beloved, trust is also at the heart of our relationship with the divine director, Jesus Christ. Amen? It's at the heart of who we are and what we do. And Christ has absolute confidence that by His Spirit, He can make us into something glorious and wonderful that leaves a legacy. The only question is this. Do we trust Him to bring out what is best in us? Asa had trusted Him for so many years, but toward the end, he had grown prideful and hard-hearted, depending upon strategic strongholds and political solutions instead of coming into the Lord. And now we have a disappointing end.
And as I said before, that is not God's desire for you or for me today. The truth is this. The Hebrew people were waiting for this redeeming king. And Asa was another king among God's people that failed. And it points us to the one true king of God's people that never fails. His name is Jesus Christ. He was the king prophesied about. He's the king on the throne. He's the king that is coming again to establish His kingdom forever. And it is this King Jesus Christ that is asking you to trust Him with your life today. To trust Him with your heart. To trust Him with your problems. There is a way that seems right to man. But its end is death. And then we think of the invitation of Jesus Christ to come unto Him. And how He stated that The thief comes only to steal, kill, and destroy, but that he had come to bring life, to give life, and to give it more abundantly. Would you trust this Jesus today? Let's pray. Father, first I ask for your forgiveness in my own personal life when I have not trusted you. And I have sought out ways that might have seemed right to me, but their end was death. I ask, Lord, for forgiveness of the coldness of my own heart at times, my distrusting nature. But I believe I don't only ask that for me, but also others here that also have done the same. And so, Lord, I ask that you would revive us and renew us And Lord, help each person here today to trust you with their hearts, to trust you with their lives, to trust you even with our problems. And Lord, when we try to find other ways, Lord, to fix our problems, would you draw us back to your side from where our healing comes? There might be some today, Lord, that have never trusted you as Savior. Would you give them the strength, Lord, and may your Spirit fall heavy upon them that they would do that today, that they would give their heart to you and ask you to come into their heart and to save them. Even as Christians, Lord, among God's people, we grow cold at times and mean and hard-hearted. Would you make our heart tender again and warm? And God, help us always to trust you, not just for a day or two, not for a year or two, not for many years, but all the way until the end when you call us home to glory. Move mightily in our midst at this time. In Jesus' name, amen.